Welcome to Toolbox Tuesday. Our tool today from God's Toolbox, the Bible, is unity. It's a word you might have heard tossed around lately, but in actuality, unity is something very hard to accomplish, even between two people, but especially among a group of people, like blacks and whites, that have a history of problems coming together as a unified body. Why do you think that Jesus prayed in John 17 for his disciples and then for all believers? He prayed for our oneness so that others would know our God. And he knew oneness, unity, is something that will take prayer and work. Unity is a big deal, though, because together we are better, stronger, and we glorify God to the highest. There is no God for black people and another for white people. There is one God and the Father of us all. To accomplish unity, it takes all of us practicing certain disciplines. There are basically five things that each individual believer must do to accomplish unity in any given situation. Sometimes these things are automatic. Or they are intuitive, but sometimes we must make a hard, gut-wrenching choice to practice them, especially when it comes to the issue of race. First, there is compromise. Compromise, Compromise means you give a little and you get a little. We must meet somewhere along the pendulum. Perhaps I don't get everything I want, but I get what is within reason for the event or idea or the movement to go forward for the good of all. The second thing needed for unity to occur is perspective. Sometimes we have to put ourselves in another person's shoes and think about how we would feel or how we would respond. You might think that people who all share a common belief would go about sharing that belief in the same way, but not necessarily so. We're all different. We think differently, act differently, and we have different past experiences or perhaps sometimes no experience at all. When I first started teaching, I thought one way about children. But after I got married and had children of my own, I became a much more understanding and compassionate teacher. My knowledge didn't change. Only my perspective about how children learn and how to interact and partner with their parents. Perspective makes a huge difference. Try to enlarge yours. Don't have tunnel vision. Often when white people complain that blacks always play the race card, they're practicing tunnel vision. A different perspective might help them understand better. The third important discipline that affects unity is forgiveness. In trying to plan for events, make decisions, and move forward, disagreements naturally occur. Discussions take place, and more likely than not, 
someone gets offended or gets their feelings hurt. Sometimes we get completely shut out or shut down, and it never feels good. We're left feeling angry, sad, and hurt. But here's the thing. Feelings of bitterness and resentment that are left to fester will only cause us harm down the road. Stress, hypertension, ulcers, and other illnesses have been linked to our feelings and dealings with others. So, for our own good, learn to forgive quickly. Forgiveness is not saying that the other person was right or even letting them off the hook for bad behavior. Forgiveness is for you so that you can move forward without paralysis. We must forgive our enemies and foes and pray for them that God will change their hearts. That brings us to our fourth discipline, love. God commands that we love him with all our heart, soul, and mind, and mankind equally as much as we love ourselves. Some people don't love God and or don't love themselves. That's a problem. When you encounter people like that, they need a lot of prayer because love covers over a multitude of faults. Without it, we're basically devoid of any good outcome. Loving God centers us, calms us down, gives us peace, then enables us to love others. No love, no peace, no harmony. But finally, the last discipline we need for unity is patience. We can compromise, have a broad perspective, forgive others quickly, and love God with all our heart and love others. But if we are not patient, we will lose all our gains for unity. You see, another name for patience is long-suffering. The Bible tells us, be patient, bearing with one another, for a hot-tempered man stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. People are often thick-headed, lazy, selfish, and slow to understand and believe what's right. That's exactly how the disciples were. But we have no record of Jesus ever calling them foolish, stupid, or making fun of them. He was patient and kind. He, however, called out the evil and unfair practices of the Pharisees and the temple money changers and others who were wrong. So being patient does not mean we sit on the sidelines only with hope in our hearts. But it means we must get involved in the process of unity by changing perspectives, working for compromise through our displays of love and forgiveness in the ways that God directs us. Some people are peacefully marching, others meeting with elected officials, 
Some are having many meaningful conversations with coworkers and neighbors. We can give funds, clean neighborhoods, distribute meals, teach young people, advocate for policy changes, and we should all be in prayer. Like the psalmist who le- brought legitimate complaints directly to God. Psalm 10 and 1 says, Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? And Psalm 44 and 24 says, Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? Patience is the self-control we have when we have done our part and then we wait faithfully on God to do what only God can do, change the hearts of men and bring about unity, oneness in the body of Christ. We are better together. So let's work on unity in our land. Remember Practice and model, compromise, perspective, forgiveness, love, patience. Those five fingers on your hand all work together. Join us next week for another tool from God's toolbox, the Bible.